20 seconds. And so again, all hands on deck. Just the 21st. So 21st and 22nd. Why don't you come up here and make this announcement there, Brother Ned? You get me off the cuff? I was supposed to pass this off to Lure. Evidently, he's failing. I'm going to give him my elf today. Anyway, we have the youth barbecue. We're going to be doing it two different ways this year than what we've done in the past. We're going to be selling it by the pound and by the plate. We're not doing no deliveries. 21st is at night, correct? Yeah, just in the evening, and then it's going to be all day Saturday. Uh, <clears throat> desserts. You know what I'm going to ask. I need some homemade desserts. Not as many as we had in the past, but I need homemade desserts. For, uh, for that right there. All right. Well, there we go. Please be in prayer uh, for our marriage ministry team as we will finally be getting another marriage retreat off. It's been almost a year and a half since we've done our last retreat. And so we'll be uh, there next weekend. <coughs> so please, <coughs> excuse me, keep us in your prayers. Um, that's all the announcements that I have. So if you would, please, let's stand and let's greet one another in the Lord. Hey, Kenny, are you in that group that's coming to sing? So y'all are going to go right after us, our first song. So we're going to do Because He Lives, Because He Lives, Love is All Over, and then y'all come on. Ignore that. You've changed it. No, come on up right in the middle. We're going to lead your song, and we're going to do prayer. Okay, so it is after prayer. No, it's before prayer. Right before prayer. Go tell your group. Hey, you're after our first song. Y'all just come on up. Right. I'm waiting on it.
Good morning. Good morning. The deacon reading this morning comes out of Psalms 114. When Israel came out of Egypt, Jacob from a people of foreign tongue, Judah became God's sanctuary, Israel his dominion. The sea looked and fled, the Jordan turned back, the mountains leaped like rams, the hills like lambs. Why was it, sea, that you fled? Why, Jordan, did you turn back? Why, mountains, did you leap like rams? You hills like, ram like lambs. Tremble, earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool, the hard rock into springs of water. Let us pray. Father God, Lord, we want to thank you for such a beautiful morning. Lord, to come back into your house and to celebrate a risen Lord. Lord, you are such a good, good God to us. And Lord, as we move forward this coming year, Lord, I just pray that you will uh, watch over our, our land. Lord, that you will watch over the hills and the mountains. Lord, you'll watch over God's people, just as you promised. So, Lord, thank you for being true to your promises, and, and thank you so much for all that you're doing in, in our lives. Lord, that uh, you are such a good, good God. And, Lord, as we think about today and what today symbolizes, Lord, thank you that you have uh, sent your son to the cross. But Lord, we, as we celebrate the resurrection, Lord, we, we think about that new beginning and we think about uh, the way that you have looked into our lives years ago. And Lord, you set apart this day. Lord, we love you. And I just ask all this in Jesus' precious name. John Stan this morning as we worship together. I believe in the sun and I believe in the risen one and I believe I overcome by the song join the one that never 
seated. Yeah. 
Father, we thank you for the great grace that you've given us in Christ. We thank you that we can gather this morning to worship you and remember that you've raised up your son Christ. And it shows to us, it demonstrates to us the power that you have. You have raised up your son and that you will raise us up as well. God, we're thankful that we can celebrate that you are alive. The grave could not hold you. Death could not conquer you, but you are alive. And because of that, we can worship you this morning. We can worship in spirit and in truth. We can worship with great joy because we belong to you. God, we pray this morning for those in our community and those in our midst who are hurting, those who are sick or those who, who face great uncertainty in life. God, we, we would pray that you would bring about healing in their life, that you would bring about hope where they are hopeless. God, we thank you that you are gracious unto us, your children. God, we pray for our nation. We pray for our community, God, that you would reign supreme over all. That, God, we would fall on our knees, turn from our sin, and follow you. God, we pray that our church would be a light 
in a community full of darkness, that we would be hope to those who are hopeless, and that in all that we do, we would point them toward you. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for giving us peace that we did not deserve and mercy that we could never earn. God, we pray that as you lead and guide us through this service, that we would focus on you and you alone as we pray in Christ's name. When I survey the wondrous cross On which the Prince of Glory died My richest gain I count Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you that love so amazing, love that was indeed divine, Father God, and a sacrifice demands more than just a verbal commitment, Father God, more than just words on Sunday or actions on a Tuesday, Father God. It, it demands my soul, my life, 
my all. Father God, I pray that these would not just be words we sing on a Sunday morning, but they would be truth, a truth that's instilled inside of our hearts. Father God, that our desire is to give everything to you, even the parts of us that we so desperately want to hold on to for fear that there will be nothing left. Give us the abandon, Father God, that you had when you gave your life for us on the cross. Father God, give us the courage to do so much little compared to what you did for us. Father God, let us truly abandon our lives. Let us give of our souls, ourselves, Father God, our all. Father, this morning we pray that you would just help us to focus on your words. Father God, that we would be your hands and feet to, you, to the people around us and that we would celebrate your victory over death, a victory that allows us to have life and a life more abundant than we could ever imagine. Father, we love you and we worship you, and it's in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Well, good morning. It is good to have you this morning in the Lord's house as we celebrate on this Easter Sunday that He has risen. The reality is that that's why we celebrate each Sunday. It is why the church gathers on Sunday because on the first day of the week, God the Father called God the Son out of His tomb and the grave could not hold Him. And we celebrate that because as He is risen, it reminds us that He also raises us to new life if we are His. And that is truly good news for us this morning. I want to invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 13. If you're visiting with us this morning, we are glad that you are here. Uh, glad that you have come uh, to worship uh, uh, with us. And uh, glad that you are in the Lord's house. This morning during our sunrise service, we considered the ideas of the tree and the tomb and the throne. The, th the tree, the tomb, and the throne are God's good news to us. And this morning as we look at Acts chapter 13, we see... The good news being shared. Normally, it is our tradition that we would stand as we read God's Word. I'm going to ask you to remain seated this morning as it is a, a more lengthy passage. And just listen to the Word of God as we read together. Beginning in Acts chapter 13 and beginning in verse 13. The Bible says this, Now Paul and his companions set sail from Paphos and came to Perga, 
and Pamphylia. And John left them and returned to Jerusalem. But they went on from Perga and came to Pisidia. And on the Sabbath day they went into the synagogue and sat down. And after the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them, saying, Brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. So Paul stood up and motioning with his hand said, Men of Israel, and you who fear God, listen. The God of this people Israel chose our fathers and made the people great during their stay in the land of Egypt. And with uplifted arm he led them out of it and for about 40 years he put up with them in the wilderness and after destroying seven nations in the land of Cana he gave them their land as an inheritance all this took about 450 years and after that he gave them judges until Samuel the prophet and then they asked for a king and God gave them Saul the son of Kish a man of the tribe of Benjamin for 40 years And when he had removed him, he raised up David to be their king, of whom he testified and said, I have found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do my will. Of this man's offering, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he proclaimed. Before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And John was finishing his course. He said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he. No, but behold, after me one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. Brothers, sons of the family of Abraham and those among you who fear God to us has been sent the message of this salvation. For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers because they did not recognize him nor understand the utterances of the prophets which are read every Sabbath fulfilled them by condemning him. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. And when they had carried out all that is written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. But God has raised him from the dead. And for many days he appeared to those who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring to you this good news that what God promised to the fathers, He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. As also it is written in the second psalm, You are my son, today I have begotten you. And as for the fact that He raised Him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, He has spoken in this way, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Therefore He says in another psalm, You will not let your Holy One see corruption. For David, after he had served the purpose of God in his own generation, fell asleep and was laid with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, and by him everyone who believes is freed from everything from which could not be freed by the law of Moses. Beware, therefore, lest it is said and the prophets should come about. Look, you scoffers, be astounded and perish, for I am doing a work in your days, a work that you will not believe even if one tells you. As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told to them the next Sabbath. And after the meeting of the synagogue broke up, many Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, 
who as they spoke with them, urged them to continue in the grace of God. The next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the crowds, they were filled with jealousy and began to contradict what Paul had spoken, reviling him. And Paul and Barnabas spoke out boldly, saying, It was necessary that the word of God be spoken first to you, since you thrust it aside and judge yourselves unworthy of eternal life. Behold, we are turning to the Gentiles. For the Lord has commanded us, saying, I've made you a light to the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. And the word of the Lord was spread throughout the whole region. But the Jews incited the devout women of high standing and the leading men of the city, stirring up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and drove them out of their district. But they shook off the dust of their feet against them and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Paul had an opportunity to share with those who had never heard what we celebrate with joy this morning. All that we have here in the many words that I read is the good news. When you boil it all down, when you, when you simplify what we have heard, it is the good news. We can celebrate this morning, we can gather this morning because we have good news. But our good news is not simply for this morning, and our good news is simply not for the nine o'clock hour on Sunday morning. This good news makes an eternal difference. It changes everything. It is why nearly 2,000 years later, we continue to gather on Sunday mornings and celebrate the good news that Christ has risen. We join in with Paul from that, but God raised him from the dead. That is worth celebrating. And it is good news. And the world around us desperately needs to hear this good news. Because we realize that all most people seem to hear is bad news. You turn on the television, you pick up a newspaper, you click on the internet, it is bad news. Things are going poorly, we are told. People hate each other, we are told. People can't get along People are worried. People are concerned. People are losing their jobs. They're losing their homes. Marriages and families are broken. We are told much bad news. But Paul, in this passage in Acts 13, tells us the good news. The good news is, in spite of everything that has happened, in spite of families broken, marriages ruined, people in financial distress, there is good news. Because there is hope. Because though many had gathered to crucify Jesus, though many chanted crucify Him and wanted Him dead, God raised Him from the dead and He is alive. And that, this morning, is good news. What do we do with it? What do we do with the good news? It is one thing for us to believe it and cherish it and celebrate it, but what do we do with it? 
Paul had been a man of great sin. He had been a man opposed to God. And yet when God changed his life, he did something with the good news that he had heard. When he is asked on that road to Damascus, which we looked at a number of weeks ago here in the book of Acts, when when he's asked, why are you persecuting me? And God changes his life. He does something with the good news. He commits himself to it. And I want us to think about what we should do with it this morning and what it is. As we look in the first few verses, verses 13 through 15, we see that he is prepared to share the good news. He is prepared to share the good news. They come down from Judea and they are, they are teaching and they begin to preach and they're traveling around and they come to this place, this place called Bethsaida, this place that had not heard the gospel before, this place that did not know the good news. And so he goes in where the people of God are gathered on a Sabbath day and he begins to share with them. And if you notice, he has got a lengthy description of what he says. We don't know that this is everything he says as he got up and spoke that morning, but it certainly is a lot. And why could he do that? He went to the place where people needed to hear the good news. He prepared his heart, and then he shared it with them. We need to understand that if we're going to tell people this morning the good news that we're here celebrating, we've got to be prepared. Now, some of you are visiting with us this morning. The interesting thing about people visiting is you don't necessarily know who else is visiting. There's some of you visiting. There's some of you that are not visiting. You're you're here every week. But if you're here every week, you know that that part of what we are doing is, is trying to prepare ourselves to go and share the good news. We come here and we worship the Lord together, but we go from this place to share with other people how they can know what we know. Because what they hear again is all of this bad news about how wrong things are and about how everything is hopeless. And yet we have the opportunity to go from this place and share with them something that is good and true and makes an eternal difference. How do we do that though? We must be prepared. Are you ready? Are you ready when we leave here to go and share with them what is good and true? Now, you might say, Pastor, although if I'm your pastor and you're not just visiting, hopefully you don't say this because you've got a pretty steady dose of it. But you might say, Pastor, I don't know what to tell people. I wouldn't know what to tell people about the good news. Guess what? Paul gives us that. Look what happens. We, We pick up verse 16. He makes it very clear what the good news is. Paul makes the good news very clear. First, he starts by reminding them of what the Old Testament says. If you've been in church very much in your life, you've probably heard a number of stories from the Old Testament. But the reality is the Old Testament is one grand story of what God did with a people called Israel. How He created all of humanity. How humanity sinned. How God called out this man named Abraham. And He has a special relationship with this people. He chose the people of Israel as His own. They they had nothing that would would warrant His choosing, but He chose them and he, He loved them. We see that in verse 17. He brought them out of slavery because they were in bondage in a place called Egypt. He loved them so much that He brought them out of that. He gave them, we see in verse 19, a land of their own. 
a land that they could hold, a land of promise that was theirs. Verses 20 through 22, he gave them judges and prophets and kings. He gave them rulers who were supposed to direct them toward him, though that frequently did not happen, we find in the Old Testament. He gave them one king named Saul, but he was a, a wicked king and he, he did things that were not pleasing to God. He gave them another, David, and David was a man after God's own heart. David was not perfect though and he could not save them from their sin. In fact, we would read later in this very passage that David one day died. When the Bible talks about his body falling into corruption, that's what happens with death. It is ugly. He brings them out. He gives them kings. But he promised them a future redemption. He promised them that he would not leave them like this forever, but, but rather, verse 23, of this man's offspring, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. Throughout the Old Testament, we see promises made constantly and promises fulfilled. God making promises to people who often did not even love him. But God loved them so much that He continued to promise that He was going to save them. He was going to, to save their life even as they continued to run away from Him. That is truly good news because I think most of us find ourselves there very often. We don't love God nearly as much as He loves us. We run away from Him and try to do our own thing as we talked about in the sunrise service. We try to put ourselves on the throne instead of God. We do that all the time. That's what our life is. We think we know better than God. And we try that and it fails and we're humbled and God loves us anyway. Paul, as he is sharing with these people, he tells them the story of the Old Testament because they need to know how they got to this point. And that's what the Old Testament does. It told us, it tells us how we got to Jesus. And as we go through it, we see just how messed up we are and how desperately we need someone greater than us. Then he goes on to tell them the story of Jesus. He's told them the Old Testament story, and then he tells them the story of Jesus. Who is this promised one in verse 23? Jesus. Who is going to be Israel's Savior? Jesus. Who is our Savior? Jesus. He declares Jesus as Israel's Savior in verse 23, and then tells of this great thing that God is going to do through him. Verse 24, before his coming, John had proclaimed a baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. And as John was finishing his course, he said, what do you suppose that I am? I am not he, but behold, after me, one is coming, the sandals of whose feet I am not worthy to untie. He tells about John the Baptist. We read about him in, in the first four books of the New Testament in the gospel, this John the Baptist who had come to prepare the way for Jesus, to, to prepare people's hearts for Jesus. He tells them someone had come, a prophet had come named John to prepare the way. Then he tells them about Jesus' passion. That hits home this week as we come to Passion Week, we come to Holy Week, 
The week where we celebrate every year Jesus' death on the cross and Jesus' resurrection from the grave. He does not miss that. He tells them because it is of the utmost importance. Verse 27, For those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize Him nor understand the utterances of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, fulfilled them by condemning Him. That Old Testament that we have, you, you look at it sometimes and maybe you read it and go, I don't understand what's, what's going on. I don't follow it. The, the Old Testament is pointing toward Jesus and the need the people have of a Savior. And it, it talks about, it prophesies, it, it looks to the future and says, one day they're going to arrest Him and they're going to kill Him. And that's exactly what they did. And Paul reminds them of that fact. And though, verse 28 says, though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, they asked Pilate to have him executed. Pilate had said he was innocent. This governor of the area, when Jesus was arrested, said he's innocent. I don't find anything wrong with him. And yet the people pleaded with him to have Jesus killed. And when they had carried out all that was written of him, verse 29, they took him down from the tree and laid him in the tomb. They they beat Jesus and tortured Jesus and killed Jesus. And they put him in the tomb. But then one of the great passages in all of the Bible, but God raised him from the dead. He had died on that cross for us. And you say, well, why, why would He need to die for me? Well, if we go all the way back again to the beginning of the Bible, we find that, that we fell into sin, that God made everything perfect. And He told Adam and Eve, the, the first humans He created, He said, eat from any tree in the garden. It's all yours. But, but there's one rule that I have. Don't eat of this particular tree. And because Adam and Eve decided that they, they knew better than God, which again sounds familiar when I look at my own life and I consider my own heart. They said, they said, we know better than God. We know more than what God knows. So we're going to go eat of this tree. And when they did, everything was broken. We were separated. Our relationship with God was broken because He had demanded we be holy. And Adam and Eve said, we will not be holy. We will do our own thing. And yet here, when He dies on this tree, He dies in our place. Because God had told Adam and Eve, the the punishment for your sin will be death. And from that time until now, everyone who has lived has died. They died. They died in their sin. And yet God sent His Son to offer up Himself as a sacrifice. Because as we go through that Old Testament, we find time and time again people sacrificing animals, someone to to cover their sin. A punishment has to be made for sin. And yet Christ offers Himself up. And He dies so that we might live. He makes it clear that this good news, that, that God has raised Him from the dead, is for them. Look verse 32, And we bring you the good news that what God promised to the fathers, that he, this He has fulfilled to us, their children, by raising Jesus. 
The good news that, that, that of what Jesus did was for the people who are listening. And the good news is it's for us as well today. That what Jesus did 2,000 years ago is still available to us today. The forgiveness that He offers is available to us today. And church family, as we go out into the world that is full of hopelessness, we must remember that the good news that is for us is also for them. For each person here, if you've never followed Christ, this good news is for you. It's not simply for people in the past. It's not simply for people who are good enough because the reality is no one is good enough. It's not for those who have their lives together because you can't get your life together enough to please God. It's not for the people who can sit there the bad things they've done on one side of the scale and the good things and see the good outweigh the bad. Friends, that's not how it works. The Bible says all of us have sinned. Every single person who has ever lived has sinned except for Jesus. And all of us in our sin have fallen short of God's requirements. And as Paul stood in front of these people, he shared that good news. And guess what? Many are happy. Many are rejoicing. They rejoice. They rejoice because they hear that this is for them. Verse 42, they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. When they heard the good news, good news they had never heard before, they were excited and begged for it. Can I tell you today that when we get deep down into the reality of the world, that most people are begging for good news. And some of you know this to be true because you've spent your life trying to fill a void that is there with anything and everything that gives you some type of temporary satisfaction. You have tried and struggled and begged and pleaded and scraped and borrowed and whatever it took to have something in your life that gave you some type of temporary satisfaction. And when these people here who had done just that hear the good news that Jesus has come to save them from their sin and give them eternal life, they beg to hear it further. They want to hear more of it because they've never heard anything in their life that could transform them like this message transformed their heart. They beg for it. In fact, as the meeting broke up, we're told in verse 43, some of them, devout Jews and devout uh, converts to Judaism, follow Paul and Barnabas. They want to hear them. They want to hear what they have to say because they have never heard such good news. Friends, this should spur on our urgency. Because out there today, there are people who are going on about their life. Their life is broken, empty. They don't know which direction to go. They don't know where to turn. They're headed for an eternity away from the presence of God. 
They're headed for an eternity separated from God because their relationship with God is broken and nothing has ever happened to mend that relationship. And yet we, as followers of Christ, have the good news of how they can have a relationship with the eternal Creator who has made them, given them life, and loves them enough to send His Son to die in their place. Friends, when the good news was preached... These people who were told God is appointed, appointed to follow Him, they were excited. As many as were appointed to eternal life, they believed. They begged for it. And they're rejoicing. Friends, this is the change that happens in a person's life when they know Christ. When they turn from doing it their way, being on their own throne, deciding how they'll do life, and turn to God and say, God, I want to do it your way. I want to follow you. I believe that you are the one who gives me life, not the things that I can do. Some people didn't like this, as you might imagine. The whole city shows up to hear the word of God, we're told in verse 44. But the people who saw it, who had been in power, who had had the authority, they, they feel their authority threatened. What they were preaching was not sufficient. And they knew it, but they didn't want to give it up. So they began to contradict what Paul had said. They began to revile him. Paul says, that's fine. We know what our calling is. We're going to keep on. We see in these last verses that Paul and Barnabas were not deterred. The Jewish leaders want them to stop. They, they want to get rid of them. They incite people in verse 50 and 51 against them. They, they incite people to basically attack them and, and persecute them and, and kill them for telling the truth. Paul and Barnabas ended up leaving. They go somewhere else, but they're not deterred. They continue to preach the good news. In fact, we... We see that when the, the Gentile people hear this, we're going to go and preach to the Gentile. They, they weren't the, the Jewish people who God had had a relationship with, with their people that God had never had a relationship with. And yet God loves them and begins to save them. And when they hear this in verse 48, they're rejoicing and glorifying the Word of God. As I read a moment ago, as many were appointed to eternal life, believed. They believed. And they rejoiced. And Paul and Barnabas were not deterred. They continued preaching the truth. Church family, when we look at the world around us, there are a lot of things that would attempt to deter us from the truth. The world so rapidly changing. The truth, not only unpopular, but opposed. Friends, we are not to be deterred. Because when we look around us and we hear the messages that, that our, our fellow citizens, our fellow humans are hearing, the, the messages of hopelessness, friends, we have a message that gives eternal hope, a message that will never be defeated and never be destroyed. A message that is for all people everywhere. 
good news in a time of bad news. In a time when everything seems to be falling apart, we have been given this precious message. This precious, precious message that God sent His Son because He loved the world. And whosoever, anywhere that believes in Him will never perish but have eternal life. I wonder this morning, do you understand the calling that God has placed in your life to go and to preach this good news? Wherever you work, at your school, the places you go for recreation or the places you go to fellowship with others, to those who live near you, those who live around you, those in your household, those in your family who are far from God. Each and every one of us called to go and proclaim this good news. And friends, what a day to do so. On the day when if if people never give any attention to the things of God, maybe today, today is the day they are doing so. Today they know is the day of Easter. They've heard of something called Good Friday. It would be hard for them to understand how could it be good that the One who loved us, the One who founded our religion, the One who, who called us to follow Him, would die in such a horrific way, and yet we know it is good because on that day, God paid the price for us. The price was no longer ours. It was not due from us. But rather, He loved us and paid the price for us. It's a good Friday. Today, we can celebrate with them that He is alive. They'll see it all over social media. They'll hear it on the television that He is alive. And many of them will have to say who because they have no idea. What a day for us to tell them about the One who lived a perfect life and died in our place. The One who loves them and the One who gives them hope even though the world seems to be hopeless. What are we doing with this good news? Are you ready? Are you ready to go and to share it? final question for you to ponder what prevents you if you go today and the people that you meet you know are far from God the family that you eat with you know they do not know Christ what is preventing you from telling them the good news maybe maybe it's that you've never followed him yourself what a day to follow Christ On the day when the church around the world is celebrating that He is alive. He is risen. Not was, but is risen. He is alive. And He is calling upon each and every one of us to follow Him. To turn from our sin, doing it our own way, disobeying Him, and follow Him. He calls on each one of you to do that this morning. Maybe that's why you can't share it is because you've never known it. But friends, today you can. You can know Him. 
You can know Him by turning from your sin and following Him. You can know Him by crying out to God and saying, God, forgive me. I know that I've not lived the life you want me to live, but God, I am yours. I belong to you. But friends, if you know Him, and so many of you do, what is preventing you from going and sharing that good news with someone who is far from God, who is living a hopeless life, but a person who you have the answer to their hopelessness. You have something they may have never heard before, but they so desperately need. What's preventing you from sharing the good news? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace that you've given us in Christ. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us, that your grace abounds to us. God, I'm thankful for each person that you've brought here this morning to hear your word. God, I pray for those who are here and don't know you, whether they are children or, or adults, God, whether they've been in church their whole life or this is the first time they've ever been to church, whatever it is, God. God, I pray for them. Pray that you would speak to them. God, you'd speak to their heart that they would they would hear through this word that you have given us. They would hear their need to follow after you. God, I pray that you would work in their life. God, that you would call them even if they don't understand what that even means. God, I thank you for the grace that you've extended to sinners such as myself. God, I pray that you would move in our midst. God, for those here who know you, God, I pray that you would impress upon them the urgency of the hour, the urgency of the day in which we live, the urgency of hopelessness. God, we have this great message. Let us be bold like Paul and Barnabas, sharing clearly your word, unafraid, bold in front of the consequences. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts to action. God, that we would, we would come and pray for those who are lost that we know, and then we would go with boldness. God, I pray that you would move in our midst as we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I want to invite you to stand with me as we sing a final song this morning. As we sing this final song, I invite you to come. Would you come and, and pray for someone who is lost, who, who you intentionally know that you need to go and share with them the good news? Would you, would you pray that God would use you in that way? That even today, even as it's Easter and we are celebrating that He is alive, that would mean enough to us that we would go and tell someone else. Friends, if you don't know Christ this morning, come Come during the song and let me share with you how you can know Him. How you can follow the God who has made you. He loves you. He sent His Son to die for you. But He calls on you to follow Him. However God is speaking to you through His Word, would you respond? Respond with action as we sing.
Jesus, I surrender all to Him. I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence. come to worship uh, today, and, and I, I just pray the Lord will continue to speak to you through His Word um, as you read it and study it this week and pray uh, to Him. Um, we're going to have Sunday school that will be starting in just a few minutes. Our kids and youth will be in your Sunday school classrooms. Adults, uh, All the adults will be in here uh, for Sunday school, and so we hope you'll, you'll stay and continue to study God's Word and fellowship together. Um, as was mentioned earlier, we have no evening services tonight, so I hope you enjoy the afternoon with your family. I want to pray for us, and uh, we'll be dismissed this morning. Again, thank you for coming and worshiping this morning. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and truth and your love. We thank you that you have given us hope in Christ. We belong to Him. God, we're so grateful for that. As we go from this place, I 
God, my prayer is that each person would go full of joy because you are alive. You're not dead. The grave could not hold you. Death had no victory. And so we can rejoice. But we go from this place into a world that does not rejoice, a world full of hopelessness, people who are hurting. God, I pray that we would go with your good news on our lips so that others will know you and the joy that we have in you. Lead and guide us as we go. Use us for your kingdom. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.